Thank you for worshiping with us today. I forgot to mention at the, uh, at the beginning of our gathering that I hope you're taking the opportunity to uh, join us online on Tuesday and Wednesday nights uh, for On Earth As It Is In Heaven. It's a joint effort with Eglise de Fair and Havelock Wesleyan just to provide uh, some opportunities for folks to gather in with uh, some music and be able to pray with you and then a very short we keep if you're worried about a long long message we intentionally keep it uh, to seven eight nine ten minutes uh, max and it's just an opportunity for us to connect as a as a community and to be able to pray with one another you have an opportunity to to reach out you can either do that publicly on the comments or you can reach out to stephanie or myself uh, privately for prayer and i've appreciated uh, those opportunities so that's tuesday and wednesday nights uh, right here on on Facebook, you can uh, you can get it there. Deep clean, deep clean. We all have these times in our lives that uh, I think we need to recalibrate. And so this is week three, talking about this idea of of what it means to uh, to truly cleanse and to clean out some of the gunk or the garbage in your life. I don't know about you, but every once in a while. Now, I've shared this before publicly that I've been on this this uh, bit of a health uh, journey, and every once in a while I, I fall off the wagon, so to speak. And uh, there was one instance this week uh, because of uh, Mother's Day last Sunday that I took advantage of that, and uh, we had Chinese food for supper on Sunday night. And I love Chinese food; I love good Chinese food. And I, and I went a little overboard, and then afterwards I'm thinking, ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta get back to it. I gotta get back on the treadmill. I gotta get back and on being active and doing all of those things. And sometimes those things feel good in the moment, but then we pay for them after, and it's okay to do, to do that. But we need this deep cleansing of our soul and our spiritual minds, and that's what this message, this what this series has been about. I don't know how many of you have a bucket list. I don't really have a bucket list. Uh, bucket list, and for those of you that are wondering, are things that, that we, we say, I, before I die, before I pass away, or before I'm not able to do these things anymore, these are some things that I'd like to do. And I suppose some, uh, there's some things that I've put on that list and not really thought of them as a bucket list. But I remember a number of years ago, uh, this would be uh, 2007 actually was, was the year, actually uh, 2008, March of 2008 uh, was the year, and we had the opportunity as a family uh, to travel down. Remember when you could travel? We had the opportunity as a family to travel down to Florida. Our kids were really, really young at the time. Our youngest would have been almost three. And so we decided to make the very long journey from Ontario, where we were living, to a 22, 24-hour drive down to the Orlando area where mom and dad uh, were staying. And uh, some of, my, ex some of our, my siblings were there as well. While we were there, we decided we were only going to be there for a week. So think about this just for a moment. Uh, only there for a week. It takes like 24 hours to get down, another 24 hours to get back. So we decided to pack a lot of stuff into the week that we were there, and we were going to take our kids to Disney, which we did. And uh, we, we, we tried to, to be as, as ready as what we could, and we bared the, the long lines, and it's a long day, and we decided we're gonna, it's really expensive, so we had saved up money before we went, so we would be able to do this. And so we decided we were going to be there as soon as the gates opened at 8 or 9 o'clock or whatever time it was. And we were, going to, we were going to take advantage. We were going to get our money's worth for that day. And the kids loved it. 
But there were moments in the midst of that and trying to find a bathroom and the kids got tired and all of those things and long lines and all of those, all of those things that happened that we were leaving the park that night. We were absolutely exhausted. In fact, I remember that it was late when we got back to the place that we were staying and it was a chore to get the to get the kids settled and get them into bed and all that kind of stuff and we didn't hear anything from them until until very late in the morning the next morning and so maybe you've looked forward to something our kids have looked forward to that day uh, for a long time leading up to that and i want to use that as an illustration that many times in life we have this thing that we're looking forward to and it might not be disney it might be something else and we do it, and we and we enjoy everything that it means to experience that. But then that experience ends; it stops, and we go. Then what? Well, what's next? What is the next thing for us to be able to feel that enjoyment and content and all those things that, that we've tried to do? And so we go to the next thing on the list, don't we? On our bucket list, and say, well, if I if I just did this then I would feel content. And so I want to talk to us this morning, talk to myself included, when life feels empty is the topic that we're going to be dealing with. Because I think so often in our culture, in our world, we have this subliminal message in our head that if I just do this, if I just get this next thing, if I'm just able to achieve this, then I'll be content, then I'll feel fulfilled. And we get that thing, and we go, I'm empty. And I think that's why, and there's so many stories that I could share, uh, and one, the one that I will share is, is uh, Deion Sanders, who was a, a great NFL player. After him winning the Super Bowl, getting to the point, the, the pinnacle of all pinnacles, winning the championship for the NFL, getting to, to uh, win the Super Bowl, he's sitting in his hotel room that night, after the celebration and all that kind of stuff. And he actually ordered a really expensive car. I'm like, who can do that? Just pick up the phone and say, yeah, I want to order this. And for some of you that just watched the Super Bowl this past year, uh, Tom Brady had a boat that, that he ordered and had it all set there for uh, after he won the, the Super Bowl and for the celebration. And Deion Sanders writes in his book that he does that. And he gets this really expensive car. I think it was a Lamborghini or something like that. And he talks about that it was the emptiest, loneliest time of his life that, that day after, in those days after winning the Super Bowl, accomplishing something that was on his bucket list of being able to do. And as a result of that, actually ended up finding Jesus and gave his heart to Christ. And so what do we do when we're thirsty? We know what to do, right? We know what to do when we're physically thirsty. We, we, we drank, right? Dehydration, and just, I don't want to sidetrack here too much, but I want to use this as an illustration. What do we do when we're thirsty? We, need, we know we need water. We know that when we're thirsty, we're irritable. We have fatigue. Sometimes confusion can set in. Sometimes we can become weak. All of those things are side effects of being dehydrated. And so we, 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 we get water. And we know water is something that is good for us. And so my question for us today is, what do we do when our souls feel empty? What do we do when we're spiritually dehydrated? What do we do when we're spiritually dry? The problem is, 
and you'll see this on your notes if you're tracking with us, is we often try to satisfy our hunger and thirst through what's temporary. Many times when we're, when we're spiritually or psychologically dry and we're, we're feeling empty and we're feeling alone, we try to fill that void with something, with a temporary fix. Maybe it's eating a little bit more. Maybe it's, it's an addiction that you fall back into. And we, we drink a little bit more, whatever, whatever it is, and we're constantly trying to fill that void. But with things that we know this, it will just be temporary. I want us to see in our passage today from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. It says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust or desires, is what he's talking about here, of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, which would be envy, greed, those types of things, and pride of life, empty boasting, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of, the will of God lives forever. There's two definitions for the world when we think of that term that I want us to see here for the moment. The first is God's physical creation, humanity, the, the, the good thing that God has given to us here on earth. That's not the world that Jesus is talking about here when he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Sorry, when John is talking here, do not love the world or anything in the world. The world, as we're going to define it here in just a moment, is worldliness. Which means this. I know that's a term, if you've been around the church any length of time, it's thrown around that this is worldly and that's worldly. Let's have a really simple working definition of what worldliness is. Viewing and living life through the sinful nature. The created world and self are at center stage. I am most important. That's what worldliness is. Worldly minds are self-focused, self-righteous, self-indulgent, discontent, concerned with honor from men and women, and unconcerned about honor from God. Worldly thinking is thinking that says, I'm more concerned with what somebody else is going to say or think about me than what I am about what God will think about me. And so how do we love the world? I'll give you a, a Greek word here uh, that will be on the screen. A, a, a pago, it's a verb, an act of the will, which means to highly value, to take pleasure in, or to prefer. And so the writer here in our text is saying, is telling us, don't love these things that are just temporary. It's okay to like them. We live in this, in this world. God has given to us some incredible things that we ought to enjoy. But if we're clinging to those as being the way to fill that spiritual void, it will always let us down. I want us to see what happened to uh, Israel in Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 13. This is what uh, God says, but my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless, zero benefit to it, idols. And so what the writer here, uh, Jeremiah is saying, and these are God's words, they had exchanged the things that would last forever, things that would fill that void, with other things that are worthless, idols. 
He goes on to say, be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror. In other words, be afraid and desolate, dry up, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. When I was growing up, our farmhouse that I grew up in, we had we still had a cistern in the house. Uh, it was it, it was this huge uh, concrete. Um, I think it was probably uh, I'm guessing in the dimensions it was probably six feet by by ten or twelve feet. That was about six feet high. That was in our our basement, and I never remember it being used. But the, our house was that part of the house was really really old, and so. It would be used to fill that with water so that when the, when the land was dry, there would be uh, a water supply uh, for the home. And it was a good cistern because it actually held water. It wouldn't leak out into the rest of, rest of the basement. Now, during my time of growing up, at some point, we decided that would make a great extra space for some things. And so we actually cut a big hole in the wall uh, of the cistern to be able to use it for storage and other types of things. But cisterns, as Jeremiah is talking about here, is something that we need in our lives. We need that reservoir of water. And, and, and when we do these and, and look at temporary things to be the fix for it, it's like we're building our own cisterns, but they're full of holes so they won't hold the water that they're designed to hold. They're not secure. And so the metaphor here of false gods that Jeremiah is also talking about is anything that captivated, captivates our heart and our devotion. And so I know in today's culture, for the most part, we don't have false idols in the sense of golden statues and those types of things that, that we will worship and, and, and focus on. But we have very much so idols in our lives. We have, we have the idol of work sometimes. We have the idol of our job, all things that are good if, if done appropriately, but if we hold them at the high value of that's what's going to sustain us, what happens when that disappears? What happens when that thing is gone? Uh, the list could be endless. And so you might be saying, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm pre feeling pretty Fulfilled. If we're not careful, at some point in time, if we don't keep God as our focus, we will run into a point in time of feeling underfulfilled, our self-worth not being what it should be, and we will be spiritually dry. What's interesting about this idea, and I think we're living this right now, where folks are feeling like they're drying up emotionally and spiritually, like there's just... Nothing more to give with everything that's happening and going on. The encouragement is the early church also struggled with this. And this, and needed correction and encouragement in order to grow and to be the people that God has called, had called them to be. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3 says this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. But as people who are still worldly, there's our word again, mere infants in Christ, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? 
Paul is calling the church in here, those that were followers of Christ, and say, but just by the simple act of the jealousy that you have for one another and the quarreling that you're doing, I know we don't, I know we, I, that's not an issue, right, today. We don't have any jealousy issues or quarreling issues among other followers of Jesus. I, I'm being a little bit, a little bit sarcastic. I know this is something within us all, and if we're not careful, we find ourselves doing these things and, and, and Paul is saying, this is how I know that you're focusing on worldly things instead of on the things of Jesus. And so my question today is this, are you substituting a relationship with God for counterfeit containers? Are you, are you substituting a genuine relationship with the creator of this universe, which ought to be a story that never gets old and never, we never get tired of, are we, are we substituting that for some counterfeit containers that are just temporary and are just filling a void that will only last for a very short amount of time? What are some counterfeit containers that we might have? Well, they could be any number of things. They could be relationships that we're trying to hold on to. They could be some pleasure things that we'd like to do. I talked about food and substances and hobby and experiences and all those types of things. Again, all good and appropriate things sometimes. But they're a counterfeit container if we're looking to them and to them alone to be the fulfillment of what God wants for us. Maybe it's knowledge. We live in this world where, where knowledge seems to be a really important thing. Again, good thing to, to, to learn and to grow and to grow our minds. But if that's what we're putting our faith and our trust in, it will let us down. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's success, the next step in our career. But getting the next degree or having another letter behind your name. Again, all things that are good and appropriate when, when used by God to, to do the things that he's called us to do. But if they are our focus, it will never fulfill what God has called us to do. These point us not to God, but point us to ourselves. And so how do we fill that emptiness? And if we're not supposed to fill the emptiness with all of these other things and our bucket list items and all those things, how do we fill the emptiness that can exist in our hearts and lives? What do we do when we feel empty and we feel like there's, there's nothing more that I can do to feel fulfilled? I want to give you two things as we deep clean our spiritual lives. And the first is we repent and humble ourselves before God. We repent and humble ourselves before God. James says in James chapter 4, Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world, again there's our word world, makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealous, jealously, but he gives more grace. And then a verse I remember learning as a child, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The first thing that, that we can do if you're feeling empty and alone is repent and humble ourselves before God. And so this message is for those of you that might be watching that have never done this before. You've never taken a step of faith to make God as your focus and to step out in faith and to follow him. 
And if that is you, I would, I would encourage you to do that. That is the first step of not feeling empty. God has created in every single person that has ever been born a God-shaped vacuum that will only be filled by the things of Him. But I think sometimes those of us that are followers of Jesus, we, we lose our first love. That thing that we had when we first uh, when we first uh, stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we forget the importance of repenting and humbling ourselves before God and recognizing and realizing that it's not about me. It's about Him. And it's about my love for Him and my love for others. You know, we live in this culture and live in this world, and I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit trail right now, where much is being said of our rights and our freedoms and all of those things. And I said to somebody just this week, I said, can you tell me where in God's word it says that as a follower of Jesus, that my rights and freedoms are guaranteed as a Canadian citizen or of any citizen of any country? You see, there is no place because when we commit our lives, and we don't like to hear this as followers of Jesus, when we commit our lives to follow Jesus, we surrender all of the things that are about me and make it about him. And make it about others. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. He surrendered his rights and his freedoms. He didn't deserve to die on the cross. But he surrendered those things. Because something bigger was at stake. And that was people finding Jesus Christ. Number two. Live from the right source. The Holy Spirit. And be drawing from the right source instead of the wrong source. Instead of... Of, of looking to those other things to be your source of filling your emptiness, look to the Holy Spirit. And what's really, really neat and interesting about this, when we get this right, when it's the Holy Spirit that is filling us, then we're actually able to enjoy those other things so much more. It, 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 because those things don't become the, the way that we're going to fill our emptiness. It, it, they become the thing that God uses for us to live life and life more abundantly because they're not the thing they're not the thing that we're seeking for and for the enjoyment we've already taken care of that with the holy spirit the holy spirit reminds us of our calling to be holy to be in the world but not of it it reminds us to live by the spirit by faith and not by sight to not conform to the world but to live like jesus to treat others like jesus to act like jesus when we're driving, or when we're on social media. There's a church that I attend quite often when we're away on vacation. And every single Sunday, it's, it's quite a large church, and so part of the struggle is when people are leaving from that church is they have to have law enforcement uh, out in the, in, the, in the roads to get the traffic out of the church parking lot and not to create as much congestion as what it would create. And every single gathering, every single Sunday, every single time, that I've been there, the pastor will get up at the end of service and he will do his, his, his prayer and close the service off and he'll say, now folks, remember this. When you leave here, remember to act like Jesus. And I think sometimes we're good at acting like Jesus when, when we think all eyes are on us, but we forget when the pressures and life are on us. But that's what God calls us to live by. That's what, what using the source of the Holy Spirit will cause us to do. It reminds us um, it reminds us to view humanity as the object of God's compassionate love and that his ultimate desire is to seek 
uh, to reconcile himself with others. That ought to be our focus. Paul lived by the Spirit. He said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Dehydration symptoms. Remember we talked about those just a few moments ago. Thirst, irritability, fatigue, confusion, weakness. What happens when we live by the Spirit? We have contentment and peace. We have love and good deeds. We have rest, life, and hope. We have the mind of Christ and faith. We have joy and strength. Paul also says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That Paul knew that his calling was to live as someone who had been crucified to the, to the desires of flesh. And so often when we think of the desires of flesh, we think of those really sinful, ugly things. And they may very well be, and maybe God is speaking to you about something like that in your life. But they can also be some things that will get us distracted and sidetracked over not serving him and following him like we should. The enemy is winning. I believe this with all my heart. He's winning a great battle right now in so many people's lives and in so many churches because he's got us distracted thinking that life is about my values, my rights, and my freedoms when the reality of it is it's about Jesus and lifting him up and proclaiming him. That's what it's always been and that's what it will always continue to be if the church is going to be who God has called us to be. And so we live from a devoted life that is spirit-led and spirit-filled. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Isn't that an incredible scripture that when we seek after the things that will fulfill us from God's perspective, that we'll be satisfied. And then he says again in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, 13 and 14. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What water are you, see are you seeking today? What thing are you seeking to fill that void? I want to give you one more passage of scripture before I close. And this is an Old Testament scripture from Psalms. That I trust will be an encouragement to you. What a great prayer to pray. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Thirsts for God. Not for other things and stuff. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Because your steadfast love is better than life. Think about that in context of all that is happening and going on. Your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my, eye, my hands. My soul will be satisfied. As with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. The opposite of loving the world, the opposite of being worldly, 
the way that this is so direct of how God wants us to live and how Jesus has called us to live. The opposite is this. Seeking, loving, and delighting in God. And getting to live the will and glory of his kingdom. Our God is where the fulfillment and joy are found. Let me pray to you. Father God, thank you. That as you speak to hearts and lives this morning that are watching from wherever they happen to be watching from. That you would, you would convict our hearts and our spirit for chasing after the wrong things. And God, we've all been guilty of that. Of times. God, that we've been selfish in our attitudes. We've been selfish in our thinking. When Father, you, you, you were the great example of living for others. When you gave up everything that you could have rightfully said no to, you gave up all of those things. You gave up all of your rights and freedoms. You gave up all of the things that would have made uh, things so much easier for you to be uh, crucified on a cross so that, Father, we could experience the joy of eternal life. And, Father, you call us to surrender our hearts to you. You call us, you use language like lay down our cross and follow you to lay down those selfish ambitions that we might have, Father, so that we could be fulfilled. And God, when we do that, in ways that I can't explain, in ways I don't understand, you fill that void. You fill that emptiness. When we begin to chase you instead of chasing what just gratifies us for a short period of time. So God, as you speak to hearts and lives today, God, I ask and I pray. That not only would you give us the courage and the wisdom, uh, sorry, that you, Father, you not only give us the wisdom to know the things that we should do, but Father, also the courage to do it. For these things we ask, we ask in your name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and again, if we can serve you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out if you don't want to do it publicly with the comments uh, that are in the the uh, Facebook and the YouTube feeds. Uh, you can reach out to private messages, email, call us here at the church, uh, go on our website. Uh, all our contact information is there at havelockwestlane.ca. We are in this together. And I've used that phrase so many times. When I say that, I mean that us, but I also mean that God is with us. He is for us. He's not against us, but he's not against you either. God is for you. And he desires nothing more than for you to have a relationship with him and to be filled with his joy and with his peace. God bless you. Thanks so much for being part of our family worship gathering at Havelock Hustle.